Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I can only imagine what it must have felt like in those days because during the war, during the, the early 1940s, Everything had been so bleak and grey in the UK and all the news that actually, although they'd tried to dress up uh, defeats as, well, not victories exactly, but not the bloody defeats that they often were, it must have been such a depressing time for the whole country to be in. And then suddenly to be on the turn and be on the, the crest of maybe victory in the future was just so exciting. You can... A lot of the newsreels of the time, you can feel this palpable excitement that was building up in the country. Something was going to happen. Maybe we would come out of this victorious. Maybe we weren't as bad as we had thought we were. Um, It must have been so exciting for everybody. And to think that these soldiers who had been fighting for what? Um, People must have wondered why they were away and fighting for so long when they weren't getting any victory. Suddenly, it was all going to be turned round and defeat would be turned into victory. must have been terrific, especially if you thought your husband was coming home, which is all you'd dreamt about for years, not just weeks, but for years. These are the words of real people written between 1940 and 1946. The views expressed may differ from the ideals of today and there are, on occasion, descriptions of war that some may find distressing. Airmail Letter 212, 19th of September, 1943. Good evening, darling. I'm so happy tonight. I feel like celebrating, but instead I came to work. There are only two things that could make me feel like this and the other would be a phone call from Cyril Moforth. Then, of course, I should not come to work. It's wonderful. It's grand. What is it? I've got a bike. Only just got it this afternoon. I managed to get it through Elsie, some friend of a brother. Anyhow, it's a beauty. A rally sports, small frame, four years old, but had hardly any use at all. Doesn't look as though we are much nearer that second front, and Italy looks like becoming a long-drawn-out affair. Here we face another winter war, and the thought of it puts everyone at low ebb. But that would be nothing at all if we felt that everything possible was being done to end the war as quickly as poss. Instead, we are snowed under with troops, and the BBC can only report progress at the rate of four or five miles a day. What a war! 
Monday morning now and the washing on the go. Yesterday morning I spent over three hours weeding. I was picking weeds in my sleep last night. I keep thinking each lot will be the last for this year, but they just seem to thrive here. However, the rest of the things in the garden are doing well, so I don't mind. I have plenty of winter greens, onions and leeks, so I shan't starve. Take care. You have all my love. Olga. Kisses. Airmail letter 118, 26th September 1943. Sunday afternoon. All is peace. The battalion slumbers. I've assembled my equipment, sewn buttons on trousers and overcoat, clean boots and badge, and I'm all ready for guard tonight. An hour to go before, and shower and tea, and all these letters still to answer. It's quite true when you put lack of contact as a chief cause for lack of enthusiasm. I've experienced exactly the same thing. Where there's no discussion, no stimulation, no meeting in competition with kindred spirits, then things do tend to become dead. It's amazing, though, how strong and keen and eager one again becomes when the situation arises. I thought I'd lost many of the qualities of expression, speech, fun and so on. However, when a test comes back, they also return fuller and stronger than ever. I know you won't take this argument the wrong way as a justification for not doing anything at all. Whenever possible, we've got to keep going all the time. But it's possibly a good thing that we can't always keep up top pressure. Glad to hear the old rally is on the road again. I'm only hoping my Evans is in good running trim when I come home. The tandem. Ah, yes, my little girl, but I'll have plenty of time to get that in order in between spells of solo riding, and surely you don't think I'm going to take you and the tandem up those hills until I've recovered some of my health and strength. The situation has got worse, and in the present circumstances, we're going to reap a whole harvest of troubles. It's impossible to do anything on the spot by the parties concerned. Some of our lads saw to that. The concrete documents should have arrived at HQ by now. If prompt action isn't taken, it will be Darwinism all over again. It isn't a minor thing, but from the way things in general are going, it's a major thing and is an integral part of the second front. It's wrong to say there are forces ready to spring. These forces have already sprung and are beating you to it in the essential outposts. If not stopped now, it may be too late to stop them when they confront you with a fait accompli. It's useless concentrating all your efforts on the front door when they're taking up all the strategic positions in the house via the back door. Well, ducks, right or wrong, that's how I see things at present. We're winning the war and losing the peace. These things we meet out here are the basis of the European situation, present and future, and are just as important towards victory and peace as, say, the coal or transport situation at home. Whether or not it's possible to do anything about these things is, of course, best judged by you at home, and there I have to leave the matter. I'll also have to leave you. Tea calls. I'll be with you again this evening. Cheery bye, Cyril. Kisses. Airmail letter 216, 10th of October 1943. Evening, Cherub. Your remarks about cycling rather amused me. So, you are going to cycle solo when you return, are you? You will know now that I too have a solo, and what's more, I can now ride it. I learned yesterday. Yes, I rode Totlybrook Road four times, all on my own, and then to the bottom of our road and past a bus. 
It seems a grand little bike, but, oh, the saddle, it's really cruel. I can hardly sit down today. Needless to say, it's a Brooks. I'm waiting for your next letters to see what you have to say about the bike. Do you know, I'm still a bit trembly from the bike. I shall improve. Cheery bye now, darling. You have all my love. Olga. Kisses. Airmail letter 121, 13th of October, 1943. Hello, you. You've learnt to treadle a sewing machine as well as a bicycle. I've also a number of new accomplishments, but I doubt if they'll be quite as useful as yours when peace comes. I've a busy time ahead catching up with all the technical advancements that have been made while I've been away. Courses on gunnery and wireless and heaven knows what. So, Italy has declared war on Germany. It's interesting to watch all these moves in the game and what a game they're playing. The prize is the world and the rules are what you make them. The last war turned into a class struggle in one country. This war is already developing into what may be the final world struggle. It's difficult to judge things too well here in our semi-isolation, but it appears to me that we're still in the too little and too late stage while the other side are successfully maintaining and extending their domination. What's all this business about restricting to airmail service between Blighty and the Mediterranean Expeditionary Force? I don't understand how it can be a military shortage of planes. I haven't yet heard any official reasons. The lad's reaction is to ask what are the people at home doing about it. That's all for this time. Yes, ducks, I still love you. Just a little. Cyril. Kisses. Airmail letter 222, 14th of November 1943. Good evening, darling. I can imagine you are feeling really frustrated, sweetheart, for I get just the same myself. Then people turn round and say, You're still young. You've got your life in front of you. Hell, you've got your life in front of you. I want to live today. We aren't growing any younger and we've got all we need to make ourselves happy and here we are. I've lost interest in a lot of things for anything done alone seems only half done. But we mustn't let these things get us down. We have to fight them down even if it's for four years then when we look back we won't be looking unbeaten years. Tonight when I came to work it was snowing or rather trying to. And the code is such that it promises to more than make up for last year's mild winter. It might sound nice to you, but the thought of a cold, dark winter makes me feel pretty low. All my love and kisses, Olga. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Airmail letter 131, 28th of December 1943. Good evening, darling. Or rather, just... The evening, it's not so good. I'm suffering from after Christmasitis plus God last night. A busy day today and bed seems the only good thing on the programme. When I finish this, I'm on my way straight down to the bottom of the old down sleeping bag. It came out of the kit bag once again when we changed into battle dress last month and it becomes my best pal these cold nights. About three o'clock in the morning, the bottom seems to drop out the thermometer. The stars look so clear and coldly brittle you think the sky will snap and shatter into pieces any minute. Then a wind comes simpering over the sand, softly, then more insistent. A lazy wind. It can't be bothered to go round. It goes straight through. 
It's in moments like these, as on my last shift last night, that one's thoughts go back to all the warmth and comforts of a former dream world. When glowing fires toasted one's toes and a warm bed was waiting seven nights a week. A bed that often figures in my memories, although a pair of small cold feet have a nasty habit of intruding on my comfortable thoughts. That's another Christmas nearer home. If all the dope in the press just now becomes true, there's almost a chance I might be home next year. That's if there's anything worth coming home for. Is there? Restrain yourself and let me know. I won't wish you a happy new year. I'll just send you all my love instead. Keep your chin up, Cyril. Airmail letter 231, 11th of January 1944. Evening, sweetheart. What do you mean by saying if there's anything worth coming home to? It depends, of course, on what you're looking for. If a wife, who still thinks you're the world's best guy, and a nice home and all the things that go with it are what you're looking for, then you have everything to come home to. But naturally, you will not find everything in England just as you left it. Four years of war changes people, and things, even I, who have seen it dearly, can see some of the changes, but to you it may seem very different. Why, even I have changed in many ways. I'm conscious of that too. Some of my interests have changed. For instance, lately, interest in music seems to override my active interest in politics. I still keep well ahead of affairs, but music does seem to give a comfort that I've missed in other forms, and in this comfort... I've developed a knowledge and love for it I never thought I could possess. But then I suppose I shall find you different in many ways too. I'm quite prepared for that because in spite of any changes, I suppose we'll still be Cyril and Olga. Cheerio, ducks. Kiss, kiss, kiss. Airmail letter 133, 20th of January 1944. Good evening, cherub. My parcels seem to all arrive now, but they still take three months or so. It's possibly still coming the long way round. However, coming seems to be a general description for most things in the army. The home front seems to be having a first-class battle of nerves at the moment. How soon they'll be before they do actually open the second front, I don't know, but the newspapers seem to be pushing the idea for speedy action. I don't think the war can last very long once we really do get started. They tell us all about our tremendous strength, but anyone knows that strength must move before it becomes effective. That's that. It's almost 10pm. It's raining and blowing and bed seems a very comfortable place. Good night, sweetheart. Sweet dreams with love and kisses. And I'll make them true someday. Cyril, kisses. Airmail letter 237, 22nd of February, 1944. Evening, darling. Here we are again, but we haven't had any news from you, so we're not particularly jolly. It's been raining cats and dogs today, and just as I got to work, I had my first incident at main control. Funny, there were five of us going in on duty, and we could hear a plane that didn't sound too jolly in the engine. But though he seemed right overhead and low, we could not see it for low cloud. Fifty seconds later, he crashed in Riverdale Road on Incliff Woodside. A flying fortress. Full crew of nine killed. It's a funny thing. You can hear on the news of 1,000 men killed on this front or that. 
and it doesn't really sound real. But when you see nine men come down right before your eyes and you know they were returning from a job of work and were just ready for tea, it shakes you. Makes me realise what it must be like to see men you know killed before your eyes. All my love and kisses. Your paper doll. Olga. Kisses. Airmail letter 136, 9th of February 1944. Saturday evening, darling. Don't know why, but I'm usually more homesick on Saturday evenings than on other nights. Here I am, sat in a tent, as we've often been before, but there are a few differences. The light of the paraffin lamp shows a sandy floor strewn with ground sheets, blankets and army kit of all descriptions. The only familiar thing to you, amongst the inanimate objects of course, is my old down sleeping bag. Still going strong, bless its lovely warmth, but I'm afraid it's almost finished. The covering is beginning to split here and there with resultant loss of feathers. Should last this winter out anyway. Yesterday we just finished a week of storm and finished it with 24-hour gale. No rain, of course, wish there was. A normal wind here means dust storm. Can you imagine a room so filled with choking, swirling dust and sand that if you could keep your eyes open, you'd barely be able to see the walls? So thick that even this hot, bright sun makes little impression on it. The world turns into dust, you breathe it, you eat it, you drink it, you wear it until the grit in your trousers rubs raw your legs. At night you lay down and choke off to sleep. Next morning you don't wash, just shake yourself and add a little to the dusty atmosphere. You've a headache and stomachache, chronic catar and God knows what. Today there was no wind, the sun shone and life became a little more tolerable. Well, Angel, I was merely going to start this letter and here I am, almost finished. It's said that we are masters of our destinies. I sometimes wonder. I'm possibly a lot too easily put off in my letter writing. It's because I never did like writing letters. My destination in life is as a speaker, not a writer. I'm still able to say what I want, even though somewhat out of practice. Our unknown talents, however, do blossom forth at times. I've even written poetry. Good night, precious. It's impossible to write how I love you. Just use your imagination and your memory. Cyril, kisses. Airmail letter 138, 4th of March, 1944. Good afternoon, darling. It's just a week since last Saturday... That may seem a silly thing to say, but it just about expresses my feelings. Another week of our life gone by and so little to show the passage of those seven days. Your 237th letter arrived this morning. Yes, I agree with you regarding our attitude to casualties. War is very different in the front line than when you sat at home listening to the BBC. The whole outlook and attitude of a unit undergoes an enormous change when they're actually on the job. In the back areas, there's a soul-destroying apathy that tends to get under one's skin. Very different to the dynamic comradeship that is developed under fire. This wait, wait, waiting before the battle is far more destructive of morale than the worst horrors of modern warfare. We fear the unknown far more than any actuality. However, they'll give us the word and let us go in and finish the job sometime. Cyril, 
kisses. At the end of May 1944, letters stopped while Cyril suddenly returned to England. The couple enjoyed a brief reunion before Cyril was posted back to Catrick and visiting Glasgow to collect a heavier tank to take back to France. Tuesday 13th of June, three months later. Hello, sweetheart. I'm pinching a few minutes at the office. It's grand writing knowing that you'll probably receive my letter tomorrow. I really got a kick out of posting a parcel on Saturday afternoon and hearing you say you had received it on Monday. I just can't believe you're on home soil. We've had the first two convoys of wounded in Sheffield. One Sunday and one last night. We have asked Mr Barnaby if there is anything we can do and he thinks there may be. One feels awful doing just nothing. All the hospitals here, and I suppose elsewhere, have become specialised. It is a much better system for all the specialists and equipment are bang on the job. I expect your parcel of laundry will arrive today or tomorrow. Let me know what you require this weekend. Cheerio now, ducks. All my love, Olga. Kisses. Letter, 22nd of June, 1944. Good morning, darling. Later this morning, we shall be commencing our fifth year of married life. Sounds an awfully long time to have been married, doesn't it? Yet somehow, to me, I feel our real married life hasn't yet started. First came the rush and bustle of making a home, and then before we'd time to turn round, we were away again to Catterick. Then those three long years apart, and now it's a case of so near, yet so far. Four years, sweetheart, and I'm more in love with you now than ever before. Towards the end of those three years, I often wondered whether or not I was really in love with you. I'd lived so long on memories, faith and hope, but somehow within a few hours of being with you again, all was changed. No doubts, no wondering. I was head over heels in love with the loveliest girl in the world, and she, well, she gave me a sort of a kind of impression that she was in love with me. We've still got a hard road to travel in this world gone mad. Somehow I don't care how long and difficult the future may be, so long as we're together. That, darling, is my chief thought. When shall we be together again? I don't mean those short wartime interludes, but the joy of coming home from work every day. The contentment of being able to plan our own daily life. Shouldn't be long now, but I am getting impatient. All I can do, sweetheart, is to wish you everything of the best and hope we shall spend our fifth anniversary together. With all my love now and always, Cyril, kisses. Sunday 25th of June. Good evening, darling. I'm on duty again. My last, I'm hoping, for the month. Firstly, thanks for the lovely letter I received on Friday. Perhaps it's as well I didn't get it on Thursday. I think the flowers in the letter would have been too much on one day so it spread it out nicely and made it last a long time. I've read it through and through, and I think it's the loveliest letter you've ever sent me. Not forgetting the poem three years ago. Even though you tell me in it that at one period you wondered whether you really were in love or not, I can quite understand that. I can't imagine anyone truthfully being passionately in love with someone they haven't seen for three years. They're still in love, of course, but... 
something so calm and distant that it might easily pass unrecognised. I didn't feel that fussy, excited kind of love at first, but, well, no said. Do take care of yourself, sweetheart. You're precious, you know. Lots of love, now and always. Olga. Kiss. Twenty ninth of June, nineteen forty four. Evening, darling. Well, ducks, the war seems to be going steadily on, in our favour, and quite big noises keep talking about boys being home for Christmas, if not before, etc., etc. You say you are looking forward to the day when you'll be coming home from work each day. Don't suppose it will be so very long now, but like yourself, I'm getting very impatient. The time when I used to see you every day, and it lasted nearly three years, seems so far away. It's almost like another world. I'm quite ready to settle down and become plain Mrs M again. My anniversary roses have faded now, but they remind me of the last line of Wordsworth's daffodils. For oft when on my couch I lie, in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash across that inward eye. That is the bliss of solitude, and then my heart with pleasure fills. Yes, Stokes, there's something about a gift of flowers that never fades. So it's good night, sweetheart. Happy dreams, with all my love. But I'll save the kisses too. Not for long, I hope. Olga. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Monday, 24th of July, 1944. Hello again. It seems ages and ages again since I saw you last. You say that to be home for good is your chief thought these days. There's hardly an hour ever passes, but I'm thinking of that too. It just seems to override everything else these days with me. I've felt it far more since you were here in England. While you were abroad, it all seemed so much like a dream. But when I've had that dream here in reality for a few weeks... Well, that did it. 
By the by, darling, how is your new love behaving? Too bad she isn't a blonde, but time may even make improvements in that direction too. Of course I'm jealous. She takes up so much of your time. I think it's such a waste. Still, if she repairs you with good service, I mustn't grumble. Well, ducks, if my guess is right, and it is your beloved tank called Olga, I feel very pleased. And remember, wherever you take her, you take me too. All my love always, Olga. Letter 1, Wednesday 9th of August, 1944. Hello, my darling. Evening again, and even now, it seems ages and ages since I saw you for that brief moment. I was glad you were able to ring this morning, though I gathered that small privilege of being together is not going to be ours again for some time. It does seem too bad, really, but I suppose the only thing to do is the usual grin and bear it. I had hoped and hoped, as everyone does, that this wouldn't have to happen, that they wouldn't send you to France, but I don't think it will be for long, and then surely we shall have the chance to live something like normal lives again. Thinking over it today, I thought that when this war is over, I shall never be afraid of anything again. I never am when you are here, and I know now my only fear is for your safety. When that is reasonably assured, I just can't fear anything again. That is the only thing that matters. And if only for that reason, take good care of yourself, sweetheart. I shall feel more settled when I hear from you, in that short note you said you were writing. Maybe you'll tell me what you were going to say on the phone when you changed your mind. You know, darling, you left me deadly curious and there's nothing worse for a woman than that. I'm sat at the table looking at the city and thinking of all the things we talked about. Sitting there whilst you were home for that fleeting moment. I'm putting today behind me for a while and thinking of next year's holidays and anniversaries together. Of baby sounds and... All the other lovely things that will make life worthwhile soon. I hope. But it can't be soon enough for me. There was work to do in the house tonight, but I worked in the garden instead. It's funny what comfort there is in working with the land when you're feeling down in the dumps. It does something to you. Maybe you'll like it too one day. Funny, darling, you took the sunshine and moonlight with you when you went... This does sound a miserable epistle, doesn't it? But you can't expect me to be really chirpy tonight after finding you had gone. Remember, sweetheart, I love you lots and lots now and always. Olga. Kisses. Letter 5, Tuesday 15th of August 1944. Hello, darling. I still haven't received any news from you yet. It seems you didn't have time to send the one you spoke of on the phone, unless, of course, it is being held up at all. Today brings news of another big landing in the south of France, and bang on top of the shop we know so well. But I can still only think of trays of peaches and cherries, a moonlit bay and all the lovely things that went with a holiday in dear old 39. Somehow tanks and infantry and airborne troops and bombers don't seem to fit there. I guess they do tonight, all right, though. Sad they probably won't have time to notice the moon and the lovely sound of the waves caressing the shore will be lost in heavier sounds. Naturally, the news caused a big stir here and people looked giddily from one man to another. 
It's only when you see it laid out on a large map that you begin to see it's like a huge crossword puzzle and we're fitting the pieces in slowly. Not until the final piece is put in shall we really know what the picture means. I know you'll write to me, darling, when you have time, but in the meantime, I'm anxious. Several times every hour I keep thinking of you and I cross my fingers. Do take care, sweetheart. Lots of luck and all my love. Olga. Kisses. August 1944, from 7919952 Lance Corporal Moorforth C, C Squadron, 42nd Royal Tank Regiment, British Liberation Army. Hello, darling. I didn't get your letter written yesterday. I didn't even manage to get near a phone. However, I may do better today. I'm starting well anyway with a few lines before breakfast. Your despondent little letter was waiting for me when I returned. Hello again. I started writing to you in England. I'm finishing the letter in France. We landed a few hours ago after a calm, uneventful crossing. We've just had a meal and I've had a grand swim in a pool which the Germans thoughtfully dug at the side of a stream. A shave, teeth scrubbed and here I am with a couple of hours to spare before we move on to our next destination. Everything seems very normal in this area. The farmers are busy harvesting and the countryside seems so similar to that which we left such a short while ago that it seems very hard to believe we're in France. One or two things to strike a strange note. Traffic driving on the right-hand side of the nearby road, two young boys who've just passed along the lines of tanks jabbering away in French patois. There's one thing, though, that certainly hasn't changed. In Egypt, we used to think it was always dusty and, of course, accepted it as part of the countryside. These last few weeks in England, we've been choked in dust, smothered in the darn stuff, and were we fed up? Well, ducks, it's even more dusty here. Everything seems smothered in choking yellow powder. Penetratingly fine. That swim was grand, but I'll be just as dirty five minutes after leaving here. Ah, I've just heard a welcome sound. They've lit the stove and tea will be brewed in a few minutes. We've done pretty well for rations so far. They've been of the special pre-packed variety and included cigs, chocolate, boiled sweets, matches, salt, chewing gum, etc., even down to toilet paper. I don't know when I'll be able to post this letter, however, I'll keep the pad handy now and keep jotting things at odd moments. It's been packed away until now. My pen still is, and anyway, it's dry, hence the pencil. Have you got over the shock yet of this sudden move? I suppose we both realised it would come, but I know I was surprised it's coming so soon. There's one thing to the good. Last time, as I said goodbye, I said I'd see you in three years. That, unfortunately, was correct. This time, I can say six months and think I'm possibly looking on the dark side. Why, I'm told they even have leave from here. If our unit don't start a rota soon, it won't be for want of our pressing. Sorry, sweetheart, I love you, you know that. But what are your distant charms compared to the presence of a cup of tea on a hot, dusty day? The tea wins this time. Toodaloo, and if I haven't any more spare time today, I also wish you pleasant dreams and a good, good night. Fifteenth of August, nineteen forty-four. You'll notice we've now got a new address. BLA stands for British Liberation Army. Sounds posh and highfalutin, doesn't it? I've been and gone and lost my precious flannel. I'm using a piece of old towel that'll last me a while, but I'd be glad if you'd send me another one in the next parcel of papers. 
I shouldn't send anything else except for papers at the moment. We're rather handicapped for carrying things with us except just bare essentials. As usual, my tomorrows are many. We've been very busy, but today we finished at 5pm, had tea, a good all-round flannel wash, and here I am at 7pm. Yes, here I was, just settled down to write when crash, boom, and then it started thunder and lightning and big drops of rain. We had a quick rush round to get all the kit under cover. Now I'm organising once again. The war? Oh yes, there is a war on somewhere over the horizon. We keep hearing the guns and of course the planes are roaring overhead all day long, but just here, well, there's a shattered house across the road, a few graves, three burnt-out tanks and that's all. We're more interested in the fact that we're camped in an apple orchard. There's thousands of apples and many are ripe. Enough said. That short note I spoke about on the phone. As for the rest of the phone call when I called you before leaving England, well, ducks, believe it or not, but once in my life I just didn't know what to say. I couldn't tell you just what was happening to us. I certainly wasn't in the mood for small talk, and so after letting you know I'd got back safely and asked you to ring that number, well, there was just a pause with me hung on the phone, my mind just one big miserable blank. Sorry I roused your curiosity over nothing at all. The post goes in a few minutes and I must catch this collection... Look after yourself, darling. All my love, Cyril. Mum was always singing when she went about the house. She was always singing or humming something. My name is Sue Moforth, and Cyril and Olga were my parents. And one of her favourite songs was A Bicycle Made for Two. And that... Bicycle Made for Two, the tandem, really represented our parents in a way. My name is Simon Halloway and I'm the grandson of Cyril and Olga. I introduced cycling to my girlfriend, Amy, um, when we met and we've been on very similar adventures. We, we go cycling very regularly. So to know that there's a connection there with, with Cyril and Olga is, is fantastic, really. When she put her mind to something, she would do it. She, I don't suppose she was ever, ever felt very confident on her own on the bike. She'd much prefer to be on the tandem with Dad, which is why she would steal herself and decide that she had to learn to ride the bike. After my granddad's tank blew up, uh, he came back to the UK and as part of the process of him getting a new tank, he had to go up to Glasgow to watch it get put on the ships. My name is Joss Moforth and Cyril and Olga were my grandparents. I think there was only two cranes in the country that were strong enough to be able to carry the new tank, one of them being in Glasgow. Uh, so he came and visited Glasgow. Um, and, you know, as a happy coincidence, you know, I was born and brought up in Glasgow due to my dad moving up to Scotland. And the crane that lifted my granddad's tank onto the ship is still standing. And as a family, we refer to it as granddad's crane. Uh, and it's part of, you know, every tour that we give to friends or family that come to visit, we show them Grandad's Crane. Join us next week for episode six of History's Letters of Love in World War Two. Subscribe to Letters of Love in World War Two, and please don't forget to rate and review us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. For more information, head to history.co.uk or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for at History UK. Letters of Love in World War II was written and produced by Anna Priestland, edited by Joel Porter 
and produced and directed by Sam Pearson. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.